It's been a long time. We shouldn't have left you without a dope podcast to step to. Step two. Step two. Step two. Um, want to say thanks to Blue Otter Polarized for sponsoring this podcast. We've got some fresh Cumberlands coming in that we're going to be rocking in. Freshy fresh. Montana, which is going to be nice because i got a mule deer hunting coming up in a week. Ooh. It's going to be awesome. Super excited about that. Sorry it's been a while. We had a baby, my wife and I, little Liza Jane. She's beautiful. She's doing good. Thanks for asking. Um, so we kind of, I kind of just took a month off to uh, dive into that for a little bit. We had Marty Smith on this week and Jay Klein. Yeah, we went. Uh, Marty called us and needed some content for Academy, which is a huge shout out to them and him for hollering at us to do that. Um, but we had a blast. Did some bow fishing with Jay. Um, went to his restaurant. Just had a great time. Yeah, thanks to Jay for having us, uh, hosting us at his restaurant, St. Stephen, uh, in Germantown. It was incredible. Uh, what'd you eat? We ate the short rib, because I ordered... You. That thing was fire, dude. Dan ordered the short rib. Marty got the trout. Uh, I ordered a burger, then Dan got the short rib, and I was like, no way. There's no way I can leave here <laughs> knowing that, that Dan had a short rib and I didn't. Um, but... The MVP of that night at dinner. It's kind of a fantasy of mine as a small child, dude. Just fried chicken skins. They have taken chicken skins off of chicken because, you know, people want them naked or whatever when they order them. And uh, all they've done is fried them. And they put Jay's some sauce in there with Jay's Levi's rub. And oh, my God. Genius, dude. Absolutely genius. So thanks, Jay. Shout out to uh, St. Stephen for having us. And, man, we just had a great night. You'll hear all about it. You'll see the video. The podcast was incredible. Marty Smith is an ESPN anchor. He's the host of what? To just talk about him. Man, Marty's uh, used to be a uh, reporter for NASCAR, um, but then he got switched over to college football, and he started doing SEC uh, network stuff, and he's got the Marty and McGee show now on weekdays, and he also is the host of SEC Nation with Paul Feinbaum and uh, Tim, Tebow. Tim Tebow and those cats. Yeah, Marty's a great friend of ours. He's a great orator. You're really going to enjoy hearing him talk. He gives speeches all over the country. The podcast is awesome, so it's coming up. And other notes, we've got uh, our South Dakota film dropping soon. It's probably, what, 90% done? Yeah, we're getting to the final stages of editing on it, and y'all are really, really going to enjoy this one. I, I can't quit watching it. It's it's so good. we got that A7, that Sony Alpha rolling, which makes South Dakota in four days pretty incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. It was an incredible trip. We say incredible a lot. Listen to Marty. Enjoy it. Thanks, Marty, for coming on. Jay, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening to The Brothers Hunt. Dude, let's start with Jay Klein. Man, Jay Klein is the, what is he, the guy, the fishing guy, the bow fishing guy to the stars <laughs> and here in Nashville, Tennessee. And There's he, a reason. He put us on a hell of a time last night. It was, I, I talked to Laney this morning, my wife, and I told her, I said, it's the most fun I've ever had outdoors. No way. It is. Dude. And there's, but there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons for that. And Marty don't lie. It was. That's a lie. It was 
a confluence of variables. It was the the company. It was the backdrop, mm-hmm. and it was the fact that I was successful. Right, Dude, that very, that's a very extremely successful. That's a very oh, important well. variable when you're <laughs> when you're hunting or fishing or whatever. If you're if you're catching, yeah, it just the adrenaline rush and the and the feeling of accomplishment is so so tangible. Sure, and man, I was harpooning them boys after after we'd already told you that you were probably not going to hit him exactly <laughs> so it just made it that much and better, it was right? it might have been beginner's luck but i'm been. good with it man yeah whatever it, i had never bow fished before and and jay did such a good job of coaching us about how to shoot and where to shoot mm-hmm. and and i'll never forget how it felt the first one the way y'all reacted was what trip me Dude, out we get pumped man i mean we get fired up especially when you know i mean it's not like this by the way those sweet dosset southern tones you're hearing are coming from our buddy marty smith who uh, we're proud to have here in nashville with us appreciate great to you be here out. i love this town i love y'all i love you too man and we went bow fishing last night and dude it was I'll never forget it, man. Uh, because I, I mean, you know Jay way more than I do. But I've been, I've been bow fishing with guys before, and it usually starts out a little rough, man. Just in the trying to figure out the refraction and all that stuff you were talking about. There's a curve, right? Oh, there's absolutely there's a huge learning curve to bow fishing. Yeah, and huge it just seemed like curve. Marty just jumped it. He jumped a curve. Oh, hey, yeah, <laughs> hey, there was no curve. The curve was flat for Marty. <laughs> did you miss one? Did the Did you miss the first fish? I missed, I missed the, the first, first fish, and then it was, and then I missed the last three. one. I he think missed, yeah. I think I went about. Well, that last one, we were all getting a little foggy by that point. Let's be. <laughs> I, well, I was about eight or nine in. I think <laughs> at that point, yeah. I looked over at the end of it. I looked over, and when we were all, you know, we were going just down that <laughs> bank right there next to that, and everybody was being real quiet, and the hum of that motor was nice, and everybody's. I, I looked at Marty. He was going. <laughs> well, it was two thirty in the morning, man. Yeah, two thirty in the morning, and we started about. 11. We didn't start till eleven. Eleven. Yeah, but we started getting on it about seven. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm talking yeah. about we started the at the house. Right. And went to I don't know how you did it. You well, had man. like four old fashions before we ever even <laughs> moved out the door. I had to edit that. Make a make a note of that. Right? <laughs> oh, sorry, Dad. <laughs> Hi, Dad. I was rocking, dude. I felt good. The dude, the meal was good. Went to St. Stephen before, and and uh, by the way, your restaurant's phenomenal. Phenomenal, very much. Phenomenal, very much. I'm well, serious. It, well, what a tremendous! I had the the trout and and grits. I think that's what did it for you. It, you were fish from the go. That's right. I I was one with the fish. You were fish from the jump. What did I sure. get? I got Asian carp. You shot. I got a couple Asian, gar, couple gar, and you shot a grass carp. And you shot, I shot. You shot it. You shot four or five. Last you shot, I, don't, I don't know. You shot five. You I shot, shot five. three gar, a grass carp, and a and an Asian, Asian carp. Yeah. But we've got to get back to why we're even discussing this in the first place. And I, you know what? Let's 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 just progress through the night. Let's go first fish. <laughs> all right. So we embank, we we come in on this ramp, which is sketchy as hell. <laughs> It get was in the super water. Sketchy. Get in the water, and before- after the trailer falls off of the back and just land, you know the tires fall off and the trailer just lands on the concrete oh, yeah. with the boat on it. That might have been the most impressive thing you did last night was get that damn thing out of the water. <laughs> Marty was on his uh, he was on his Instagram while that happened. He goes, <laughs> I think we might. Something might have just happened. <laughs> Something just broke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was all. There's, but we turn come around the corner and all of a sudden it's like. 
just Nashville. Just lit up Nashville in a view in a way that I've never seen it, man. It's actually really neat. And that's if you, if you and I do that with people the first time they come out and hadn't been. If you you hug that corner right there, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden it is literally just like right in your face, right in your face, right there. You it can was see such the a, tip. Of, you can see the tips of the Batman building, AT and T building, as you're coming around that corner. But right there, and then. Vietnam Vets Bridge. I was going to say, that up. was what was so stunning to me was seeing the Vietnam Vet Bridge right. with the Nashville skyline to our left and easing our way down to Cumberland underneath that bridge and just how how immersed you feel. And, I, you know, I've been coming to Nashville. I've probably been in this town a hundred times or whatever. I don't live here yeah. like you guys do, but I love it. And I got a lot of friends here, so I've been here often. I've only seen I've only seen the river from the street. I've never seen the street from the river. And to think that there are guys out there chasing a the neon rainbow 100 yards from where we're pulling back that literally, bow. Literally just so damn cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, I was telling somebody about it this morning. They were following our Instagram and and uh they were like, "Man, the the view from down there." I was like, "Dude, I've been in Nashville about 10 years and it was it was almost breathtaking to see the skyline again. And and I hadn't felt that feeling looking at, at that town in 10 years. And so it's just a different angle to, to, to see something, you know, pretty incredible. I'm so appreciative of you, Jay, because so I, I guess we should maybe tell y'all kind of how this all came sure. together. Yeah, yeah. So with my job at ESPN, we have all these corporate partners that invest in college football. Mm -hmm. And within that group, those corporate partners – kind of choose some on-air people that they want to leverage in their marketing spaces. And uh, I have an amazing relationship with Academy Sports and Outdoors. And as part of that, we do these mini movies. We do eight or ten of them a year. And small snippets air on a show we have called SEC Nation. And then these larger 14, 15-minute pieces run on all the Academy social media channels. Mm -hmm. And they're so well-received because there's this crazy appetite from outdoorsmen like us for that right. kind of content. As you guys know, you have your own show. Yeah. And so, so it's been a really successful union. Now, these last few trips that we've taken have, in my estimation, taken that to another level in terms of what we're doing, how we're doing it, production value, our guys, my guys out of Columbus, Georgia, the sub seven guys are some of the best in the business in capturing outdoors content. I agree Mark with that Womack for sure. and, and his group. Yeah, those dudes were awesome. They yeah, are they awesome. They know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and and we went and did this crazy rodeo deal where I wrangled this steer and it was yeah, stupid. We post that. But, Can we post that, that video you sent us? Yeah, sure. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and uh and that movie actually comes out it comes out this weekend. Oh, anyway, I'll wait, I'll wait on that. Yeah, we wait. We'll wait so on that. We, I had this idea that, all right, how can I fit into my schedule another shoot? I'm going to Nashville mm -hmm. to for my own podcast. My producer, Travis, is here with us today. What's up, Travis, man? And, uh, Glad you're here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Calm me down. He, he gave Reed a little bit of Pep help. Talk, man. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh, and we have an amazing interview after a while. But anyway, long story short, I wanted to do something in Nashville. So I called these two jokers. Yeah. What can we do? Where's the best place I can fish or hike or do something that could kind of help produce one of these academy stories? Right. And immediately, 
immediately they both wrote me back and said, we got a guy. Well, that guy's sitting over here to my left. They contacted Jay. Hey, they come back to me. Jay was in immediately. Marty, what about bow fishing? In. Let's go <laughs> right now. All in. I think Jay kind of took it to another level, though, for me. It's like we needed certain things for certain shots, such as, you know, us hanging out, having an interview right. thing. The restaurant was perfect for that. Took us to dinner, got us drinks, man. It was just a, it was just a solid, solid sh- hosting on your part, Jay. We appreciate, I appreciate that, it. And then we shot some fish. I mean, so let's get into that a little bit. We we backed the boat down. We ran that first curve. Anybody who's shot fish ever knows that whoever needs to be shooting is going to miss. They're going to miss, man, until they figure it out. I mean, you just it's a process of elimination. But Marty had that fire in his eyes last night, dude, and we rounded that curve. That fire is called cold beer. Missed a <laughs> <laughs> little low. He was up. He was up. Like Jay grabbed his bow. Marty grabbed the bow. Right, right next to him, tied on, ready to go. While Jay was. Did you feel pretty equipped for that thing when you got on that boat? The I felt boat? amazingly equipped. And you not only that, like again, having never done it before. You know, I certainly I've deer hunted yeah, with yeah. bows. Yeah. It's a different concept. It's, it's a very different kind of thing. And I, I wanted to make sure that I had the mechanics of how to reel it and all that. Right. So Jay just put me through like a real quick tutorial. And I'll be honest with you, though, this is funny. Before I fired off the first time, I was looking around. Reed was holding a bow, and Jay was holding a bow. And I was looking at mine just to make sure. Sometimes I get a little insecure about asking if I'm doing something right. <laughs> and so I just kind of looked around to make sure all, their, all the mechanics were right. right. And I realized that that... Uh, knob yeah mine was upside down i noticed that y'all's were right side up i was like damn should i ask i'm like nah man i'm just gonna turn this thing over (laughs) so i took it and you don't want to know how i i realized it because the arrow wasn't staying hooked to the line oh wow it's not it's not necessarily that it it it, and i didn't i didn't realize until later on that you were actually shooting like a whisker biscuit on that bow but like on the bows that we were shooting if that if that stop is turned upside down it's got a better chance hitting the rest when it leaves out yeah gotcha if killing your face, momentum and right or aim flipping and everything the arrow else. over oh, yeah, yeah um i didn't think about that i didn't even check that any i shot all yeah. night and i never even checked that. <laughs> oh i just figured you knew that dan that's yeah, the reason dude, I, I didn't did. say nothing that's to you. Why I'm, I'm fine <laughs> it was fine. it was it i did feel well equipped yeah and you know I, I when i shot the first time i'll be honest with you my confidence went way up Okay. Because it's like, okay. Even though that, you miss. Yeah, even okay. though I miss because it felt true. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to aim under this fat some bitch and yeah. I'm going to let it fly. Right. Oh, and that after, happened after, pretty, I, after I told him, it, shoot low, shoot low, yeah. shoot low. It happened pretty quick, though. I mean, what, we we round the curve. It was only a few minutes after I missed I that think I so hit, too. right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, 20 yards, 20, And I'm yards. telling you, literally from your backside, 150 yards is Demombrian Street and Second Street. So cool. I mean, we were on the Titan side. I mean, we're less than 100 yards from the Titan Absolutely. Stadium. Yep. 100. Yeah, 110 yards from Titan Stadium. It was Nissan so cool, Stadium. Man. So cool, man. It was so cool. And then we ended up just dust. I mean, you dusted fish all night long. The funniest moment of the night, however. Okay. It's had time. nothing to do with any of us in this. We were already getting into this. All right, I mean, Jay, we have to because. <laughs> Uh, we I will say this before. Don't forget that train of thought. Travis will tell you guys I am like squirrel all no, the time. No, we are too. That's fine. I just figure we'll get this whole fishing fun out of the way. And then As we'll talk we some got, life. 
towards two o'clock in the morning, and Jay was over here fumble screwing around trying to figure out the lights on his boat for forty five minutes. <laughs> I can't we, help but I need a little TLC. I understand. Man. Low point in the night. Low point in the night. We're we're just tossing back beers and and I don't. I love songwriting. Yeah. It's like my I admire it so much. He and does, as I he said, loves songwriting. <laughs> as I said to you guys last night, to me, like doctor, first responder, songwriter are like the only professions that you can not only impact a life, you could save a life sure. in a matter of two, two and a half minutes. And I really feel that way. I'm living proof. Mm -hmm. And so we got into that, especially the drunker I got, <laughs> the more I the more I was in that space. And we started talking about nostalgia. Yeah. And how I chase that sensation all the time, whether it's that song that takes me back to eleventh grade or it's that smell that reminds me of yeah. riding down four sixty and daddy's blue Ford Ranger and he's got one old Milwaukee between his legs and another one rolling around in the floorboard and that smell of fresh cut hay mixed with a fresh lit Marlboro light. Yeah. Making me hungry. <laughs> I mean that though I chased that sensation. Right. And Reed said it. I was sitting there like holding a I got a beer in one hand and a bow in the other. And Reed said, Well you know that's that's gonna be right now is gonna be that for us. That's crazy. And fifteen years from now, we're all. I'm, I'll text you boys and be like, or whatever shit. I might get on my, I might get on my hoverboard from yeah. Charlotte and just be here in thirty five <laughs> minutes. And uh, and like that, we're, that'll be that moment. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it's crazy. It. Yeah, it's weird when you're in those moments. You just want, and I want to make sure that I I do. I try to be conscious of that. Of like. Because, dude, we have cool jobs, man. Let's Super be honest. Cool we have cool jobs. We get to interact with cool people and, and hear cool stories. And I don't want to ever take that for granted. And I want to consistently be that sponge that just draws all the inspiration from from the guys around me. And and it's tough not to just get a little jaded, a little a little a little tired of that, don't you think? I mean, do you find yourself running into when you're on the road and you're interviewing Saban or or Dan Mullen or whoever, do you find yourself going, man, there are people that would kill to be in the position that I'm in right now, and I'm exhausted and want to go home and take a nap. I say it, well, I don't, I, I, I am very aware of the rarity and the blessing that I've been able to be that close mm -hmm. and that, that personal mm -hmm with some of the more accomplished sporting and entertainment icons of our time. And I'll, that I'll, I'll never lose that. I'll never lose the wonder. Mm -hmm. Now, I've said to the president of our company before, you don't pay me for television. Television's free. You pay me for airplanes. Hmm. Um, yeah. That part of it will, it wears on you, man. There, I don't care who you are. Or what your profession is, if you travel for a living, no matter how beautiful, amazing your job is, that that'll get to you. Absolutely. And but but interviewing Nick Saban or or I mean you name it, I've had the great opportunity to sit across from some Mecca's. legends, man. Yeah. And man. and so that'll never be lost on me. Cool. That's cool perspective. I, I just I find myself even when we're out with different bands and stuff, it's like, dude, 18 wheels is still 18 wheels. Yeah. I don't care how you dress it up, what kind of AC you put in there, what kind of cable you got. It ain't, it ain't that Saturday at home. It's sitting on a, 
on a, on a box, pair of box springs. You know what I mean? Something happened last night, and I I told I, I gave Laney a full breakdown of last night this morning, <laughs> and and I said to her there was a moment last night that I'll remember too, and it's it's like kind of like when I, I all right I have the perfect parallel when I used to get people or still do and I'm with them hot passes to a NASCAR race where mm. they can be in the garage and, and up close and personal with the race cars. And Dale Jr. walks right by in front of them going to driver introductions, whatever that is. Right. Standing there waiting to get on that boat last night, I was singing songs and asking y'all, what's the greatest country music song of all time? <laughs> and, just just firing off all these songs that are very important to me. Sure. And you said something, you're like, God, I remember feeling that way about country music. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because it ain't a job for me. Right. I'm a passionate consumer of your job. Just as we are passionate consumers of your job. Right. <laughs> right. It's and an interesting parallel, man. I mean, because... I mean, do you feel like you've lost any of the wonderment or the magic of sports? Matter of fact, let's just start. How did you even decide? I mean, first time I met you, I, I told this in the interview last night. I remember you saying, "Guys that talk like us don't usually get these kind of jobs." Yeah, you don't. know, how did you how did you decide, man? I want to pursue this, and I, and I want to I want my job to be basically my personality and my opinion on on on, uh, on sports. I was an athlete, and. When I lost sports, it doesn't matter what level you attain. If you're a passionate athlete and you're so immersed within that, it's your identity. Absolutely. Whether you want it to be or not, it is. And so when I lost ball, I was I, – I struggled because all I cared about was girls and ball. Hmm. And so suddenly I had to figure out what was next. I'm when was that? Junior in college. Okay. And I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I just I basically I just sat around in my dorm room and sulked. Yeah. And was there it was an a, injury? Was no, it just like no, I'm just no, over it? No, it wasn't. I transferred over from a school in East Tennessee mm -hmm. where I played baseball. And I transferred over to Radford where, you know, the school I graduated from met my wife at, right. et cetera, et cetera. And I just knew I was going to play and play there too. And so I ultimately got asked to try out and didn't make it. I, I did not have a strong enough arm. Mm -hmm. And so that was over right there. And I remember my dad coming to pick me up and him seeing the pain in me and being like, hey, man, uh, it's a it's a door that's going to close now, but it's going to open another one. Right. And I sat around and bitched and moaned for a while about it. And my buddy was dating this girl that worked in the sports information office, the like <laughs> athletic communications office. And she was like, "You need to come to work with me." And I was like, "I'm I am a ball player. I ain't no stat taker. No, no. They take my stats. Right. Cocky little." Punk. <laughs> well, after you know six or seven weeks of that, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go try it." Well, uh, this is a very, very, you know, short story long. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna go in there, try it. I really enjoyed it. It went very well. That led to a writing position 
at the Roanoke Times, which is the major regional newspaper where I grew up. Gotcha. Uh, covering preps, covering high school sports. Mm-hmm. And that all when the school year ended, they put me at New River Valley Speedway. I went to cover late model stock car racing at the local <laughs> short track. <laughs> That's awesome. It clicked. I said, okay, this NASCAR thing is my ticket. Why? Why did it click? Why? Because, how did you know? Uh, Philip Morris and Jeff Agnew were these two old boys that beat the hell out of each other every Saturday night at the Bull Ring. And they had this rivalry. And it was like, you're talking middle of nowhere, New River Valley, Pulaski County, Virginia. Right. And there were 2,500 people packed in there to see these two dudes go after each other. And I was like, man, this is interesting. Dude, this is 1997, all right? (laughs) This is Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Rusty Wallace, Jeff Burton. Would you consider that like the prime of NASCAR? Yeah. Really? And I started to... Like I, I remember telling Laney, this is going to be the ticket. So long again, that then led me to as a senior at Radford, mm-hmm. I got the opportunity. I covered Virginia Tech football for the Washington Post. They made me their stringer. It's called covering Virginia Tech, and that was a major eye opener. And Frank Beamer is like one of my childhood heroes. His son's one of my best buddies. He's Lincoln Riley's associate head coach at Oklahoma now, wow. Shane. And anyway, I went and took a job in Lynchburg, Virginia, covering NASCAR racing. A year later, I'm working for NASCAR, traveling around the country, making 19 grand a year, thinking I'm living high. It's the highest on a hog you ever heard. And one thing led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. And here we are. I'm sitting here with you guys. That's crazy. Did you, do you remember your first television appearance? Mm-hmm. Nervous? Uh, or prepared. So, so like that bow shot, baby. You there's feel good a about couple. It? There's a couple different answers to that. My first television appearances were actually when Dale Earnhardt died. Golly! So I was working for. Turner. I mean, how does that? How did how, now that you brought that up? How does that? How did that day hit you? Uh, because I'm I, assuming you were probably ingrained at that point. Like I remember it there. very clearly. Okay. Um. Dale Jr. is one of my best buddies. He's like a brother to me. It's awesome. And at that time, we ran pretty good. Uh, young and crazy and Absolutely. drinking and yeah, yeah. raising hell, raising, you know, so forth. And so the field comes off of turn three, and Michael Waltrip's leading the race, and Junior's running second, and Dale's running third and running interference for those two because he's sitting there and he's got the guy that his buddy that he gave a chance leading the Daytona 500 who's 0 for 462 at the time in the Cup Series. His son is running second, and he owns those two cars. So it's like he's watching this dream unfold, right? Wow. Gets turned into the fence, hits the fence, and it, it the wreck looked pedestrian. I mean, it didn't look like something very serious. And my job that day was to write the near-miss sidebar. And I go in, you know, run out to pit road and Rusty What does that mean, near-miss sidebar? The guy who didn't win it, who almost won it. Oh, okay. And I thought that story was going to be Big E. I run out to pit road. It's ultimately Rusty Wallace. Right. And Rusty never won the Daytona 500, so I go up to Rusty and I say, hey, man, uh, 
yeah. you know, how would you assess your performance? He goes, go check on Dale. Really? And I said, I, I will, but if I could just get a – go check on Dale. Wow. Athletes have an idea just based on what they see. And oh, you mean you think he already I knew? I think he had a real good idea that Dale was at minimum. Even hurt, from a pedestrian hurt back. like that? Because he saw Ken Schrader down there in turn four on that grass. Mm. And all the ambulances rushed there. And so I start going down a pit lane, and I got stopped. And I come back to try to find Rusty, and he's gone. Right. And so from there, it's a little blurry. But I remember very distinctly going back into the media room at some point and these grizzled veteran print reporters sobbing. Gosh. Just guttural sobbing. And I'm like, okay, this is serious. And they have a TV in the media, old media center at Daytona, and they're showing that, that now just shot that's, that's Iconic, seared into our memory yeah, yeah. of Dale Jr. running. Yeah. Gives me the chills a little bit thinking about it. And I was standing there. At this point in time, were you all buddies? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Standing there as Mike Helton, the president of NASCAR, walks into the media room. And there are there is a sea of of cameras because of everybody who's like has descended upon this waiting on NASCAR's official statement. Mm -hmm. And I had we had a house phone at the time. This is two thousand one. <laughs> we had a, a house phone at the time. And on that house phone, y'all know who Hank Parker is? Yeah. The many time Bassmasters champion. Yeah. His son Hank Jr. is a, like a brother to me even today. Right. And he had raced the day before in the Bush race. He's on this house line. And in my on my cell phone was now seven-time NASCAR champion Jimmy Johnson, mm. who's also like a brother to me, on my cell phone. And there was a speaker in the ceiling of the media center. And I was holding both of those phones up oh to that gosh. speaker so that those two could hear real time what Mike was about to say. And, of course, Mike took the microphone and said those words that stopped time. This is undoubtedly the hardest announcement I've ever had to make. In the accident in turn four, we've lost Dale Earnhardt. And you don't, you don't know how to react to that moment because Superman doesn't die. Yeah. And... I remember pulling that those phones down to both of my ears as Mike walked out of the media room and just silence and just saying, I, I love I love you guys. I gotta go to work and hanging them up. And I immediately Laney was with me. Oh my gosh. And she was in our rental car, parked in the infield with her feet up on the dashboard. She was reading a book. And I walked out of the media room, and at that time, the garage was directly to the left. And and guys are just – it was like it was like a, a zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. Guys are just walking around 
crying, hugging. listless and lost yeah. and disbelief, no color in their faces, hugging each other and sobbing. And I walk over to the car and she looks up and her her face just shifts as if she's seen this ghost. And she's putting the window down and she's like, Marty, are you sick? And I said, honey, Dale Earnhardt's dead. And she got out of the car and we just hugged and cried and and this'll y'all this'll hit y'all. So I go through that whole evening and back to your official first of TV appearances. Right. We tried our best to set the scene for all these, mm. like you know, it shut down NASCAR.com. It it really the, the amount of traffic shut down NASCAR.com. And so I remember we were there till about two or two two thirty in the morning that 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 night. And I remember driving out of the the infield tunnel. And there's this song that Leanne Womack cut called I Hope You Dance. Yeah. And that song came upon the radio. And to this day, if that song comes upon the radio, I got to hit seek or off. Yeah. I just can't. It's interesting the way song you, songs connect to events like that. Well, that's how it's a time stamp. For sure. And... Yeah, that was one of those days, man. You know, I admired Dale Jr. for a million reasons. And uh, he will tell me, man, just shut up. <laughs> he put – Dale Jr. saved NASCAR because he raced. If he decides against going to Rockingham, North Carolina – four days later and facing a an international media gaggle hmm. in this white tent that they erected outside of North Carolina Speedway. Yeah. If he doesn't get in that race car and race, I don't know what happens. Really? Because, to NASCAR. Because he raced, we all raced. Wow. And I don't know that he believes that in his heart. Yeah. But I know it. And he sat up there in front of and the world. Yeah, the world. And he said these unbelievable words that were, Yes, I've cried for my father, but only out of my own selfish pity. Come on, man. Who what? <laughs> I mean who What awareness? <laughs> Who who does that? And Kelly will tell you, I, I wrote a piece years later. 2008, I wrote a cover piece for ESPN Magazine. And and Kelly, told, Dale Jr.'s sister, who runs his whole life, mm. who's an angel, she said to me, that they, at, that, at that time, she wasn't sure that they'd still mourned their dad. Because everywhere they go, some guy's coming up to him going, Man, I miss your daddy. Yeah. You can't imagine what he meant to me. Right. And they have to bear that. Mm. And so there's a lot of it's Elvis, it's John Wayne, yeah. it's John F. Kennedy, sure. it's to millions of people, it was that type of impact. So Man, that's crazy. I bet there's been many like cornerstone moments like that. Do you feel like that that day changed you? Oh, in a many ways. Yes. Uh that day definitely changed me. And Dale Jr. and I have had 
there haven't been a lot of people in my life who've had the kind of influence that he has had. Hmm. And uh, without really even trying, yeah. he's just, he's that, that type of influence. And uh, I remember sitting there and talking about, this was, again, 2008. He decided to leave the company his father founded mm. to go race for Rick Hendrick, to race for the Death Star and become Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson's teammate, right. which in the eyes of the fan was the antithesis of who he was. And we're sitting there. He has a Union 76 station on his property. He owns 130 acres northwest of Charlotte in Cleveland. And we're sitting there having a couple buds, and we randomly got off into, like, how did you handle it when your mom died? Mm. And I understand what he's saying, but they're not equal because my mom meant what my mom what my mom meant to me and my sister and my daddy and and my mom's parents. This this small little group. Absolutely. His dad meant that to more people than we can count. The country. So. Yeah. Man, it, do you feel like if you had to if you had to cover one or the other which would you would would it be would it be football or would you would you just hang in a NASCAR because it's who you are? I can't describe to you the blessing that was the transition to football. Really? Yeah, that's an interesting interesting tale because all I had ever known for seventeen years of my professional life was auto racing, mm -hmm. and I love it. Like I I have so much passion for NASCAR and for the culture of NASCAR, and for Talladega, and for Martinsville, and Richmond, et cetera, right. <laughs> et cetera. And so I love it. But when ESPN lost the broadcast rights to the sport in 2014, NBC got our half of the sport. And so I kind of wondered, you know, what will I become? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Because that was kind of your identity at that point. Oh, no. It, it uh, unequivocally was. Gotcha. I'm the NASCAR guy. Right. You were. Yeah, no doubt. That's, <laughs> all, that's what I knew you had. Yeah. I'm the NASCAR guy. Yeah. And, and so I I don't know what it's going to be. I come home from the last race of the 2014 NASCAR season. November 17th, I think it was, of 14. I walk in the door of my home. And Lainey's standing across the kitchen island with her back to the door. And our three kids are there, eight, five, and two at the time. Lainey had been a single mother for the better part of five and a half months because mm -hmm. I'd been off chasing race cars. And she turned around, and I went to give her a big hug. Season's over. And I don't want to say she was cold, but uh, not as receptive. <laughs> And I look. I don't. I don't blame her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in no way, shape, or form is that a is that uh, in any way a negative comment towards her. Right. She she champions me. But she had tears in her eyes, and she's like, "Honey, I need you home. I'm cooked." Yeah. And eight, five, and two. And when you're a NASCAR reporter, you leave on Thursday morning, and you come home on Monday afternoon. 40 weeks a year. Yeah. And for a mom, that's a tough road. Ooh, so Especially with those numbers, man. Yes. That's some young kids. Yeah. And so 
I said, don't worry. They're not going to call me for six weeks. I had signed a new contract with ESPN starting mm-hmm. January 1 of 15, and I was really uncertain. I thought, hell, I might thought they might send me out to North Dakota to the damn cornhole championships. <laughs> no. I didn't know. ESPN the old show. Yes. <laughs> you would have damn good cornhole. I would have dominated that damn cornhole commentation. <laughs> so, no, no lie, I sit down on my couch, and I open up my phone, and I look at my phone, and – um, I have an email from a guy. Marty's literally looking at his phone in the yeah. room with us, in case you were wondering. I have an email, and I'm, I'm, it's from a guy named Lee Fitting. And Lee runs football at ESPN now. He's over Monday Night Football. He's over College Game Day. He's over, like he's the guy. This is 14, 2014? This is 2014. And he says, hey, bud, uh, I love your passion. I want you to start studying college football because I'm going to make you one of the four reporters that I embed – with one of the four schools that qualify for the inaugural college football playoff. You fired up at that point? Are you nervous? I couldn't believe I consider I knew, I thought I knew the the magnitude of that. That was the first college football playoff. The biggest damn thing at ESPN. That's true. I remember that first first college football. Playoff. Did you know Lee before? No. You, no, no. Just out of the blue. Yes. That's incredible. We are college football. And so, I who is we? Tell me who. ESPN. ESPN is college football. We okay. are college football. All right. And and we are damn proud of that. College game day is an institution. Absolutely. It's every bit as important to the fabric of college football as the games. I agree with in that. A, in in many cases. Absolutely. And so, and Lee was one of the masterminds of building that thing from a good studio show into a phenomenon. Genius. So, so he's really he's the party responsible for building that he show. He was the executive producer of it. I did for not know that. Years. So I call Laney. Yeah. And she answers the phone. Where are they sending you? And I said, "Honey, I don't know how to articulate to you what this is, but it's a it's a treasure map. Hmm. If I'm if I follow this email's direction, and I'm willing to dig deep enough." It's going to offer us riches beyond our wildest dreams. I ain't talking about money. I'm talking about life experiences. Come on, man. And she didn't like it. <laughs> and she'll tell you, if she was sitting right here on this middle cushion between Jay and me, she'd tell you she had no say in the matter, and she's right. As selfish as that is, that's just the truth. I was going. Yeah. Because I knew. And they dropped me in Columbus, Ohio, like an alien out of Mars. <laughs> Travis is an Ohio State Buckeye, so he's pumping his fist over there. And they pump, they dropped me in there, and I made the decision right then, do not try to be too cool, be too inside baseball, try to report on something you don't know. Because college football fans are like NASCAR fans. They're like hunting and outdoors people. Music if somebody's people. a fraud, music people, Sniff it by out. God, you know it. Sniff it out. And so I made the decision. I'm going to report what I see with my own two eyes right. and what I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. About three days in, the – communications guy comes over he's like hey you probably ought to meet urban meyer well hell yeah i ought to meet urban meyer <laughs> shit yeah i'd like to meet urban meyer yeah so i go over and in his office and say hello to urban and it was you know pretty surfacy he's got something to do he's trying to win a beat alabama oh, yeah. against yeah. all odds 
And I said, hey, I ain't going to get in your way, man. He's like, if you need anything, tell tell Jerry, the communications director. He'll help you out. Yeah. Great. They went up, end up winning a national title. Gosh. And I got to be with them for that whole ride. And listen, boys, they had dudes everywhere on that team. I'm talking, they had Joey Bosa. They had Ezekiel Elliott. They had Michael Thomas. Yeah. They had Curtis Samuel. They had Raekwon McMillan. They had Darren Lee. They had – Devin Smith, they had dudes everywhere. <laughs> yeah. They had dra- great NFL players everywhere. Yeah, and I got to be with them and a third string quarterback in Cardale Jones who wrote a movie. Yeah, so I don't know any other way. All right, I'm. I know I'm rambling. I'll tell you no, one more get story, it, dude. You kidding? I'll tell you one more story that really encapsulates. The only way I can quantify or rationalize why I have this life. I'm a, I love to I that's cuss a lot. Of, a lot. That's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. I, I really I really hope this is a recording. <laughs> Did you just blow the microphone out of there? Oh, his headphones good. So wait, do we need to pause and check? Okay, okay. I have a penchant for four-letter words and I like to drink. But I love Jesus. Absolutely. I'm a man of faith, and I look at everything in my life through that prism and the blessings, and I'm cognizant of my insecurities, and I'm cognizant of decisions in my life or emotions in my life that are egotistical and mm-hmm. ego-driven or insecurity-driven. Right. And I ask him all the time, like, why? What do you want from me when I'm across from Nick Saban or Tiger Woods or whoever? And... I had the opportunity to interview a guy named Tony Finau. Tony is a PGA golfer, and he's one of the longest hitters on the tour, and he's one of the kindest guys you'll ever meet. And at the time I interviewed him, nobody really knew about Tony. This was before he blew his ankle apart in the par three contest and became this international moment. And... Oh, the, the trip falls. That's Tony. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's Tony. Okay. Hits a hole in one on the seventh. Right. Seventh, Travis, right? I think it was the seventh hole of the par three contest, and he's backpedaling down the fairway. His first trip to Augusta National, and he's aced seven in the par three. His wife and children are there, and he's backpedaling down, and boom, dislocates his left ankle. In front of everybody. The day television. before he's to debut in his first Masters. The day before he's to assume this childhood dream. So about six weeks before all that happened, I sat across from him at Augusta Country Club, not Augusta National, Augusta Country Club, down the street. Okay. And Tony fascinated me because of his story. He grew up without much, a Polynesian guy in the hood in Salt Lake City. Okay. Rose Park, it's called, the neighborhood. And a lot of guys don't get out of there. And all the bad stuff you could see he experienced. His dad loved the game. Well, in Salt Lake City, you can only play the game about four and a half, five months a year. (laughs) So dad hangs, suspends a mattress from the garage roof. Nails, tacks, anything he can. Gipper hit into one side and Tony hit into the other side. No For seven months a year. And that mattress was 16 at Augusta. That, match, that mattress was 
You name the iconic hole. And so we get into all that and how amazing that is. And I had read where he wears green on Sundays. And the reason is because green was his mother's favorite color. Well, he proceeds to tell me that his mother died in a tragic car accident in 2011. And in the same 24-hour window that mom died, his first child was born. So he had this unmistakable circle of life perspective in that moment. And he said to me, I immediately knew what my purpose was. What's your purpose? I mean, that was what came out of my mouth. What's your purpose? He said, it's to be a light in the world. It's to have so much joy emanating from me that everyone within my midst cannot help but feel it and be impacted by it. And I stopped the interview. I said, brother, I ask the Lord every day, why am I doing this? For the first time, somebody's been able to articulate it. (laughs) That's powerful, man. What a perspective. Be a light, man. Gosh. Isn't that cool? You know, man, I, I don't mean to hit on a personal nerve here, but like, I feel like we go through things and there's so much confusion. There's so much distraction. We were talking about the phones and, and, and media and egos and being cool and yep. big deer and hit songs and football coaches, and national championships. But dude, I just had my first child and you want to talk about turning the page on, on some things, man, you start recognizing and realizing that it's, it's so much more than 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 being famous and being cool and being rich. And I love what you said about that earlier. Riches past our wildest dreams, and I ain't even talking about money. Dude. Yeah, money, my, money's nice because it affords you things. Sure. But when we're eighty years old, and we're all sitting out there on the back porch, and telling old lies, it ain't gonna be about money. It's gonna be about it's last be night. About relationships. Yeah. And experiences for sure, and you know that that's that's coming from somebody who's been blessed. Sure, uh, that's not coming from somebody who ever wanted for anything. So that's my perspective, but I believe it. Yeah, my mantra lately has has that I've just kind of adopted has been to make sure you're doing what you love with the people that you love. That's right. Time is too short. Period. And. uh yeah, man. I just we try to live we try to live like that and and not and unapologetically too. Uh I mean obviously not trying to hurt people's feelings or or, or be a be a jerk, you know, in my way or the highway, but like even the way this whole trip came together was kind of a blessing, man, just in the way that like we had been befriended you eight years ago. We meet Jay four year three years ago and we just kinda of keep up this I mean we're not I wouldn't say that any of us in this room are usual Friday night hangout drinking buddies, but we know each other, respect each other. We know what each other does. And I love you guys. And so when this call came in, it was immediate. Let's hook this up. Let's hook this up. And it just flowed. It flowed perfect, man. You know, it's an incredible night. I, uh, Travis has heard this before because I've said it on my own podcast and I, I say it often in speeches I give. And I wrote it in my book. The, the reason I wrote the book, I, 
I consider every one of us to be pieces of clay. Mm. And every victory and every loss and every euphoric joy and achievement and every guttural loss, all of those ranges of emotions, pinch at that clay. It might just be a little piece of a shoulder, but it might be a whole chunk out of your rib. But regardless of the level, it's going to reshape the person you are tomorrow. Right. And that's what this is. Absolutely. Just having the time to fellowship last night, this morning, it's I am a different man when I leave here and go hang out with Travis Tritt mm-hmm. than I would have been if I woke up this morning down here to Marriott, you know, hung out in the Starbucks all Flew day home. long, piddle screwed around. I'm richer. Absolutely. And I'm just, I consider it to be such a blessing that I'm even aware of that. Yeah, me too. That's cool. Let's talk about music a little bit, man. Why are you so inspired by songwriting and I mean, I can tell this dude beams when talking about, you know, different artists and different songs. And it's, yeah, it's really, it. it's really refreshing for guys, I mean, Jay included, that are in this industry and just get, just get beaten up with it constantly. And it's such a grind. You get to a point where you're like, oh my gosh, another song, you know, another day, you know, writing, writing, trying to come up with melodies. What about it is, is I mean, obviously it speaks to you. But like yeah. at, at your core, I mean, was that something you grew up with? How did that influence you? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in a house with an eight-track player and parents who had uh, Waylon and Willie Nelson and the Judds and Reba, and and all of those types of influences really are ingrained in me. And it's funny, Eric has his song called hippie radio and i had to laugh when i heard it the first time because he's talking about his old man singing at the top of his lungs and he can't carry a tune in the bucket my father was the worst singer ever born (laughs) but man he got it boy you know like city of new orleans by willie nelson and uh, like those kinds of songs and as a young man i fell in love with writing my mother was a brilliant artist my mother played guitar and do you know that song? Children go where I send thee. How shall I send thee? I'm gonna send whatever. Yeah. Little bitty baby that's born, born, born in Bethlehem. She'd sing that song in church and play the guitar and she played the organ and the piano. And I was just always she'd be just playing the guitar around the house. And I I thought it was so cool to watch. But one thing I don't regret much in my life. One thing I'm really angry at is that I didn't pick up a guitar and play it as a kid because like I'm 43 years old. I can't play one. Uh, I can play it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go take guitar lessons because I, I'm going to be here another 40. Good for you, man. And I'm going to do that. And I put it off and put it off and put it off and I'm going to do that. But So those types of influences were very indelible for me. And as I got a little older, I fell in love with all kinds of different music, Southern rock and 80s rock and G&R and hair metal and hip hop and all these different avenues that I, I still love. But country music is my soul. 
y'all are able to say things that I wish I could say for myself. Y'all are my voice in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I was – so the 2009 College Football National Champ- BCS National Championship game was Alabama and Texas. And Marcel Darius was an All-American defensive tackle for Alabama. And my favorite college football player ever is Colt McCoy. I love me some Colt. That's the game he got hurt in, right? Got blown, blown up, blew his shoulder apart. Third play of the game, I think it was, early in the game. And I remember texting with a songwriter buddy of mine in this town. And I said, man, you he was watching the game too. I'm like, man, you ain't supposed to go out like that. It's probably and he wrote back, probably. dude, that's a song. He said, that's a great title. You start writing it. So write your side. Wow. Well, since I don't know really how to write music, yeah. I, for all intents and purposes, wrote a poem. And he's like, I'll write my side. Well, that never materialized. That person never did write his side. But I wrote an entire, what I consider to be a song. And the way it goes is, the first stanza anyway is, Jesse James deserved to face that gun. Number three deserved one more race one. Those towers in New York deserve to stand. Lane Frost deserved one last go. Cobain deserved one last show. And I deserved one last day with my old man. Dude, you trying to get a publisher to do something, man? I know I know some dudes, man. I, uh, what are you doing here? So, so I really, I love it so much. And I have a thousand or more a little like kind of, it's more poetry, right? I, mean, I have, you know you can like text your boys. I have here. melodies I mean, in my head, but I can't, you know, like you guys can. I can't pick up a guitar and go, okay, I know how that sounds in my mind. Hey, there's plenty of guys in this town that can't do that. You know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but but that's, I just, back to your original question again, I'm rambling. No, uh, you're good. I admire y'all so much. And, and I wear it. my buddies who are singer-songwriters out about it all the time, yeah. just that ability. And, and, and there are so many talented people in this town who can write people under the table, but it, it might not have hit yet. It right. might not have, because of whatever country radio is at that moment, or how many of these artists have to be something that, that's not their dream in order to make it. Oh, for sure. I've interviewed Kit Moore. Like, I love Kit Moore. Yeah, I think he's so guy. damn talented, and he's he an amazing is. guy. Travis and I had him on our on our show, and he was talking about how, you know, he's hard-headed as hell, hmm. and he's going to do his music. Mm-hmm. And as a result, he hasn't really gone in there and dominated country radio yet. Right. And he has unbelievable songs. He has this song called Running For You. That blows my mind. It's wow. a beautiful song. Huh. And I don't remember if he released it as a radio single or not, but if he did, it didn't do much. Right. And anyway, I, I'm, I just admire guys like him and, of course, Luke, yeah. you know, who you guys have, have such a great friendship with and, and you know so well. Right. And, uh, of course, Eric, uh, who's the, one of the most important people in my life. He what, saved my life. What's your favorite Eric Church song? Like picking a kid, man. Uh, I won't tell him. So the way I met him, I, I, I guess it had to be sinners like me because. Oh yeah, you said that last night. Yeah, that song. Powerful. It saved my life, man. I had lost daddy, and I needed a vehicle 
desperately to carry my emotions in that moment. Oof, well said. And that record was that vehicle. Well said. Yeah. And see that perspective is what I wish every songwriter on Music Row could hear this morning. Because that is what we lose sight of so very often. It's like you're just out to write a hit. You know, and, and when that becomes the the mentality that you just decide is your life, you lose that that perspective. And and I think as songwriters, sometimes we forget the reach that those tunes have. Well, I, I meant to say this to you too last night, and uh, I, I forgot to, whether it was beer or fishing or whatever, but <laughs> I personally think that the work that you've done, like I feel like Luke, I feel like Luke has is is one of these linchpin artists. Combs, you're talking about? Yeah, Luke Combs is one of, of these linchpin artists because he was able to write songs of depth and get them to radio mm-hmm. where they had that broad reach and 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 write a new chapter in the industry. There is actually an old chapter in the industry. Absolutely. And not many guys have done that. Like, I don't mean to keep harping on Eric. No, go ahead. But he's my best friend, and so I have great knowledge of his impact. He's one of the few guys that is able to go, I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah, very few. There ain't many. Right. And Luke's, if he's not there, he's on that trajectory. I think so. Well, everything he's done has worked. I mean, you don't. He's the first artist ever that had seven. Well, is it seven straight number ones or five? Yeah, seven, isn't it? I don't think any multiple, artist multiple, ever. Multiple weeks too. Yeah. yeah. That whatever that metric is. And. I mean, dude, do you see anybody trying to trying to change Russell Wilson? It ain't happening, right? Because what he's doing is per- perfect. That's right. He's 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 the best at his. And so against, anybody going, hey Russell, you know your mechanics are. are you're not off. tall enough. <laughs> You're not this. You're not. You're not. You're not. Well, and they look. told Luke the same thing. You're not skinny enough. Yep. You're not handsome enough. Your songs aren't good enough. You'll never be an artist in this town. And dude, he owns it. Can't help but love a story like I, that. So I am back to my infatuation and appreciation with songwriting right. and and whatnot. I I love '90s country. Like I can't. I can't describe enough how much I love it and its impact on me because that was my, I'm older than y'all. That was my high school years. And who's your favorite '90s artist? Uh probably Travis. Yeah. And and that's like I'm giddy about my opportunity. I'm for those of y'all listening. I get to interview him on my podcast, and that's so cool how full circle that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be quite a moment for me, and hopefully I don't go too fanboy on him. But I got a lot of questions about songs and. Ever leave me alone. So good, man. I mean, just so good. Here's a quarter is unbelievable, and I'm gonna be somebody is one of the soundtrack moments of my life, and it is that is that song is my life Hmm. in in a in a unique way. And so anyway, it's probably him, but I uh you know, of course, of course, George Strait is one of those guys, and 
Garth is one of those guys. But I go all the way into like Daryl Singletary. Uh, I love I love so many of Daryl Singletary's songs. Man, he's and so solid, dude. I let her lie. Yeah, man. Are you kidding me, man? He's money. God, there's just a lot of those guys like that. But he left us too early, man. He was like fifty left us, something. Left us way, way, way too early. And there's guys that I want, like Tracy Lawrence is one of those yeah. guys. I'm going to see Tracy. He's going out with. I'm close with Justin Moore. Yeah. And Tracy's going out with Justin Moore on his tour. Awesome. And so I'm going to go see them in Baton Rouge, I think, uh, after the football season's over. Mm. Uh, just all those kind of guys. I love that music. Time marches on. <laughs> yeah. Time marches on. Yeah, dude. Money. That song is so money, dude. I could just – we did it. We did it last night, all night. We just kept singing three part harmony, riding down the river. Well, I don't know if it's harmonies because I'm. <laughs> it was harmonies. I was three I was picking on Daddy. We kept I, on going, Marty, sing the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't sing the best. And right after that, something really funny happened. Jay, I'm gonna let y'all like Jay, Jay. You need to tell this. You story. need to at least set this story up and how, how what what the creek was and what how, just yeah. Explain it. So yeah, we were heading back towards the heading back up towards the ramp. I knew the evening was getting everybody was looking a little peaked, a little uh, long. <laughs> I knew it was uh, it was time to uh, probably start heading Wrap back. It up. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had this one little special spot that I always kind of hang on to till the last minute. And uh, is that what that was? You were sandbagging just for that one. Well, one that, that last look, that very last run yeah. is is the is the last run if if somebody wants another last run. Gotcha. But <laughs> and we still had about sixteen beers in the boat. Right. <laughs> so so yeah, we picked and I, I told everybody when we got up, I said everybody get a bow and get up on the front because it's small enough that the boat just fits in there. And normally it's the river's down a little bit, but normally it, it, we can get back up in there a little bit further. So gotcha. I figured we'd have a long, a pretty good little run. Yeah. Back up through there. Yeah, what was it? We just gotten, we literally gotten everybody up on the front. Camera guy up on top on the seeing rack. some fish. Such a cool little cove. Yeah, it was like, cool. It was neat. Yeah. Um, and it all happened quick. Oh, it was happening. Yeah, it all yeah. happened quick. We rolled up in there, started seeing fish. I shot, missed. Marty shot, maybe hit one. And about that time. Yeah, and then about that time, <laughs> all of a sudden, this racket in the back. Marty had thought that. One of the guy, the camera guy, had you fallen. hit one because we thought it was you. No, 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 that was no, later. No, you actually shot the one and walked to the back. To yeah, get that him. was yeah. later. That was a different. Yeah. But we heard a scream from the back and from a cat that ain't talked much that night. He didn't say anything. That's because he was the, the audio guy. guy for the yeah. shoot. <laughs> the sound guy. He did not say anything yeah. all night. Travis is Travis liked this story. <laughs> Sorry, boys. I had to eat something. No, I, no, honest good. to God, yeah. had to shake. I started getting shakes. No, you're so, fine. You're fine. so yeah. All of a sudden, yeah, we hear this loud crash and kind of, kindly scream in the back of the boat. And I turn around and look. I'm like, what has just happened back there? <laughs> and the sound guy stands up, and I don't know that I can use this uh, correct we'll, terminology. The terminology we'll, we'll that I'm going to use we'll is is uh, not what he said, but he said that fish just hit me. And a penis. <laughs> <laughs> Literally had. <laughs> besides the word. Right, besides the word. That's the best you could have done But the fit, yeah, an Asian carp had jumped out of the water, and this poor sound guy's just sitting in the back of the boat, 
just listening to all of us, and the fish landed right in his lap and was flopping <laughs> it hit around him right in the pecker. Hey, and we're not talking about no small fish no, here. Dude. I think no. it was a hog was show. I think it's gonna go fifteen to twenty myself. I lifted that joker up, and you I was picked like, it up. That's it was heavier than you think. Oh yeah, had a gut on her. But yeah, that was that was. Yeah, I think that his. Like outfit kind of magnified right. the hilarity of the situation. He looked like he was about to go to a fraternity formal. <laughs> <laughs> he had this like pack on his like can- it was kind of like a kangaroo pack where he had the audio in front of his belly with this like tent like thing. It looked like a rain suit for a pregnant woman. Yeah, yeah. they yeah, could still see her belly because the audio was underneath this clear, clear. Yeah, this clear things, and he had these. All this wires coming out of his head. <laughs> he was holding the boom mic, and this thing hit him right. I mean, right square in the. Let jank. me tell y'all something. It traumatized him so badly. <laughs> he, we kept on picking on him, and in fact, Dan immediately wrote a song <laughs> that by the end of the night we had about three or four verses for and a full blown chorus about a fish flying out of the water yeah, we'll hitting save you in the that. man region. We'll save that for a later time. That's a that's a, that's another show, but yeah. It traumatized this cat so badly. We got back to the got the boat up out of water. It's two thirty in the morning. We're packing up all the all the gear. Or watching other people pack. Yeah, and we're yeah, we're we're staying around <laughs> watching. Staying out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Staying yeah. out of the yeah. way of professionals. All of a sudden, a very distinctive scent <laughs> starts wafting <laughs> through the air. We all kind of look around and like it ain't me. And it ain't you. Yeah. And it ain't you. Well, sound guy's over there making sure he's taking care of his anxiety. He's man. calming down a little bit. <laughs> Hilarious, dude. Oh man, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of scents that uh, yeah, no doubt made their way around that boat. If how much would it take right now, Marty, for you to go to Jay's house and just open the drain? From all the beers and the oh fish, my Lord, I can't imagine and the bottom of shoes, and just fill up a shot of that. Hell, I got yeah. back to my hotel room, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I showered. I showered too. I did too. <laughs> Damn, I stink. Man. I did not shower. Hey, I got right back to the house, took everything off, right later, right next to the bed, night night. That very first <laughs> fish I got, yeah, it came down on you a little. It came bit. down on me. And all these damn guts and blood went all over me, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm a damn deer slayer!" Man, that getting fish guts went everywhere. All right, man, thank y'all so much for coming on this thing. We'll cut it off. I know you got stuff to do. Tell us when. Uh, I mean, any ideas on when that film comes out? When they can, can they be? Oh yeah. That stuff? Uh, let me think about this. It's gonna be. So the so we did the rodeo. Mm-hmm. The rodeo was was honestly the content was so cool that we're gonna make two movies out of that. Oh thing. wow. And so we're probably it'll probably be maybe a month, okay. right towards the end of the season. Let us know. No, oh, we'll absolutely make sure y'all know. So, and, and not only that, I'll supply it to you guys, awesome. so you can throw it out on all your feeds for your sure. people and whatnot. Hell, y'all may as well put it on your YouTube channel. Yeah, we will. Seriously. Yeah, we will. I and, actually talked to the camera guys and was like, "Hey, man, what what happens with this film?" And he was like, "Dude, when we're done with it, yes, the more promotion we can get, the better." Yes, that's I mean, how everybody I feel wins. About it too. You know? Again. What kind of dream is it that a good old boy who grew up in the woods gets the opportunity to do that with such an amazing partner? Dude, I mean, it, it was fun. Uh, and 
calling up you boys. Yeah. <laughs> I love y'all, man. Thanks for having me. Sorry I rambled and No, you didn't. It. it was awesome. Jay, thanks so much for last thank night, thank man. Thank y'all. Hey, thank y'all you did for a hell of a including job. me in it. It ain't the last. You ain't done with me, Bubba. No, hey, sir. You, let's just play. You can just shoot a, you can just shoot a movie every year. I'm yeah, coming dude. back, man. We got plenty of things we can do. I will say I hit up a couple of my buddies in town this morning. They saw my social media stuff. You SOB, you're in town. You didn't call me like, guys. I went bow fishing last night on the Cumberland in the shadow of Nissan Stadium. Yeah, dude. Literally. You we, Next time I'm in town, we have to go. Absolutely. So, Absolutely, bro. It's on like Donald Marty, Donald. thanks for including us, man. Thanks for hollering at us. We appreciate you giving us the chance to hook all this up. We had a ball, man. Y'all got me for life. That's thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, a couple of fun days. Really? I really hope it's recording. <laughs> it's recording. I mean, I see the red over there. Thanks for coming out. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. All right, boys. Thanks. Enjoyed it.